This podcast is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. In the summer of 2014, Derek and Maria Bradas and their three young children were looking forward to moving into their new dream home. The magnificent Dutch Colonial was located in the beautiful town of Westfield, New Jersey, and now it was all theirs. The neighborhood was quiet and safe, where kids rode bicycles along the street and played in large backyards. Maria Bradas knew the area well, having grown up just a few blocks away. The scenic town is only a 45-minute drive from busy Manhattan, making it a perfect alternative to living in the city. The house at 657 Boulevard had stood there since the early 20th century and had seen many families call it home over the years. Now it was time for the Broadus family to move in, but first, there was some work needed. Shortly after the sale closed, Derek and Maria began their first project, putting a fresh coat of paint on the house. Next came a bit of landscaping around the property. Nothing huge, just some minor things to clean up, but otherwise, the place was in great shape. Everything was moving along smoothly as the family prepared to spend the first night at their new address. With a new address, there often comes old mail from the previous residence. So, when Derek went outside to empty the mailbox, he was expecting to find the usual pile of catalogs and flyers. Instead, he found a letter which had been addressed by hand to the new owner. It was probably a friendly note to welcome them to the neighborhood, but in between finalizing the sale and organizing the move, they hadn't really met any of their new neighbors. With Derek's long hours at his office in Manhattan and Maria busy raising the couple's children, that was not going to change anytime soon. Still, it was nice that someone had dropped off a welcome card. But when Derek began to read the message, little did he know, it marked the beginning of a twisted nightmare that would last for years. My name is Eric Crosby. Welcome to True. Built in 1905, the three-story home at 657 Boulevard, like many others in Westfield, was sizable. It measured almost 4,000 square feet on a nearly half-acre property. It had six bedrooms, three and a half baths, wood flooring, a wraparound front porch, four fireplaces, and an impressive entryway in the front. The home's first owner went on to become the mayor of Westfield in 1932, the same year that the house was struck by lightning, causing damage to the roof. A bad omen, but nothing structural that couldn't easily be fixed. The house changed ownership several times over the next few decades seeing its share of graduations and wedding receptions. It was eventually purchased by John and Andrea Woods in 1990, who sold it to Derek and Maria Broadus in 2014 for almost $1.4 million. Before that, everyone who lived at 657 Boulevard had only happy memories of being there. Meanwhile, the letter that Derek thought was a pleasant welcome note was anything but. Dearest New Owner, 
Allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood. How did you end up here? Did 657 Boulevard call to you from its force within? 657 Boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades now, and as it approaches its 110th birthday, I have been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s, and my father watched in the 1960s. It is now my time. Do you know the history of the house? Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 Boulevard? Why are you here? I will find out. Hundreds of cars pass by 657 Boulevard each day. Maybe I am in one. Look at all the windows you can see from 657 Boulevard. Maybe I am in one. Look out any of the many windows in 657 Boulevard at all the people who stroll by each day. Maybe I am one. You have children. I have seen them. So far, I think there are three that I have counted. Do you need to fill the house with the young blood I requested? Better for me. Was your old house too small for the growing family? Or was it greed to bring me your children? I asked the woods to bring me young blood, and it looks like they listened. Once I know their names, I will call to them and draw them to me. Welcome, my friends. Welcome. Let the party begin. It was signed, The Watcher. A bit freaked out by what he had just read, Derek headed back inside the house, his mind racing. What if the writer had been watching him while he checked the mail? Were they watching now to catch his reaction? Was it just neighborhood kids playing a weird joke to spook the newcomers? Not long after, at a neighborhood barbecue to welcome the family, Derek and Maria tried to look happy and relaxed, but the letter had terrified them. The couple smiled politely as they scanned all the guests in attendance, suspicious of everyone. It was scary to think that whoever it was may be standing right next to them enjoying a beer while engaging in small talk. It was not the idyllic start Derek and Maria had imagined. Two weeks after the barbecue, another letter was placed in their mailbox. This one was far more personal and detailed than the first, including not only the birth order of the broadest children, but also their nicknames. It read in part, Welcome again to your new home. I am pleased to know your names now, and the names of the young blood you have brought to me. You certainly say their names often. 657 Boulevard is anxious for you to move in. It has been years and years since the young blood ruled the hallways of the house. Have you found all the secrets it holds yet? Will the young blood play in the basement? Or are they too afraid to go down there alone? I would be very afraid if I were them. It is far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, you would never hear them scream. Will they sleep in the attic? Or will you all sleep on the second floor? Who has the bedrooms facing the street? I'll know as soon as you move in. It will help me to know who is in which bedroom. Then I can plan better. All of the windows and doors allow me to watch you and track you as you move through the house. Who am I? I am the Watcher, and I have been in control of 657 Boulevard for the better part of two decades now. 
the Woods family turned it over to you. It was their time to move on, and kindly sold it when I asked them to. The workers have been busy, and I have been watching you unload carfuls of your personal belongings. The dumpster is a nice touch. Have they found what's in the walls yet? In time they will. Are you one of those Hoboken transplants who are ruining Westfield? The house is crying from all the pain it is going through. You have changed it and made it so fancy. You are stealing its history. It cries for the past and what used to be in the time when I roamed its halls. The 1960s were a good time for 657 Boulevard when I ran from room to room imagining the life with the rich occupants there. The house was full of life and young blood. Then it got old, and so did my father, but he kept watching until the day he died. And now I watch and wait for the day when the young blood will be mine again. I pass by many times a day. 657 Boulevard is my job, my life, my obsession. And now you are too, Broadus family. Welcome to the product of your greed. Greed is what brought the past three families to 657 Boulevard, and now it has brought you to me. Have a happy moving in day. You know I will be watching. The letter also mentioned the couple's oldest daughter, asking, Is she the artist in the family? The contents of the letter made Derek and Maria shudder. The writer was clearly referring to a recent occasion when their daughter was painting a picture on the porch. Freaked out and desperate for answers, they contacted the previous owners, John and Andrea Woods. Had anything like this happened to them during their almost 25 years in the house? The Woods said they had not experienced anything remotely similar in all the years they had lived there. That was until shortly before they moved out, when a letter was received that could have been from the same person. Like Derek and Maria, the Woods thought the letter was a mean prank and discarded it. Both couples eventually contacted police, who told them to keep the information quiet as they investigated. Law enforcement was hoping to eliminate everyone living in the immediate vicinity as a suspect, but when a detective visited the house, he noticed something interesting. The area of the porch where the Broadus' daughter was painting when the writer apparently saw her was obscured by bushes and not easily visible from the street. Whoever had seen her painting must have been watching from the side or the back of the house. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about 
how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. Police quietly started to ask around, but came up with nothing. Only the envelope had been handwritten. The letters themselves had been typed, so any meaningful analysis of the handwriting was ruled out. It was an excruciating period for Derek and Maria, but they continued with their renovations and prayed they would be left alone. A month later, however, on July 18, 2014, a third, even more bizarre letter arrived where have you gone to? 657 Boulevard is missing you. 657 Boulevard is turning on me. It is coming after me. I don't understand why. What spell did you cast on it? It used to be my friend, and now it is my enemy. I am in charge of 657 Boulevard. It is not in charge of me. I will fend off its bad things and wait for it to become good again. It will not punish me. I will rise again. I will be patient and wait for this to pass, and for you to bring the young blood back to me. 657 Boulevard needs young blood. It needs you. Let the young blood play again like I once did. Let the young blood sleep in 657 Boulevard. I see already that you have flooded 657 Boulevard with contractors, so you can destroy the house as it was supposed to be. Tisk, tisk, tisk. Bad move. You don't want to make 657 Boulevard unhappy. Stop changing it and let it alone. Whoever the writer was, they were clearly obsessed with the house, seemingly to the point of paranoia. Derek and Maria had already moved their furniture in, but felt too uncomfortable to stay there, instead moving in with Maria's parents until they could figure out what to do. Police were still investigating, but by late 2014, no progress had been made in identifying the culprit. There were no fingerprints on the mailbox, the envelopes, or the letters themselves. The stress and anxiety were taking its toll on the new homeowner's mental health. Derek couldn't sleep, and Maria was diagnosed with PTSD. Desperate, the Broadduses even arranged for a local priest to come and bless the home, but nothing was helping. As the weird story began to make headlines, the situation started to gain more attention as New Jersey's newest and creepiest urban legend. This is the now infamous Watcher House at 657 Boulevard in Westfield, New Jersey, the stately 3,900-square-foot home boasting six bedrooms, four baths, and one very disturbing mystery. With no leads in the case, eventually, Derek and Maria came to the realization they would never be moving in. Despite already having spent $100,000 on renovations, they couldn't risk the safety of their family. So, in February 2015, 
The home was placed on the market with an asking price of just under $1.5 million. Given the widespread news coverage, however, perhaps not surprisingly, there were no takers. The couple understood how buyers felt, as they later stated, they would never have bought the home if they knew the previous owners had received the first letter just before moving out. That summer, the Broadduses decided to file a civil suit against John and Andrea Woods for not disclosing the home's history. Their claim of negligent and intentional infliction of emotional distress included the demand for the Woods to pay them triple damages, covering the purchase costs of the house, plus the renovations. In response, the previous owners countersued, claiming they were owed compensation in return for emotional distress, caused by the negative publicity generated by the intense media coverage. As the legal issues continued, the home remained empty and on the market. Over the next couple of years, the asking price would be slightly reduced, but even that didn't work. The property was taken off the market, only to be put up for sale again a few months later. At this point, Derek and Maria just wanted to rid themselves of the house and were willing to take a big loss to do it. But word kept spreading about a disturbed person watching the house and interest in the property ground to a halt. With limited options, the Broadduses applied to the local planning board with a proposal. They suggested selling the property to a developer who could demolish the now infamous house and divide the sizable lot into a couple of separate, smaller ones. But in early 2017, when the size of the two potential properties barely missed the regulations, the application was denied. Looking for alternatives, Derek and Maria did manage to lease the home for $5,000 a month. Even better, the tenants were fully aware of the home's strange history and the intense curiosity around the watcher's identity. Two weeks after the tenants moved in, another letter showed up. It was just as bizarre as the others. Violent winds and bitter cold. To the vile and spiteful Derek and his wench of a wife, Maria. You wonder who the Watcher is? Turn around, idiots. Maybe you even spoke to me, one of the so-called neighbors who has no idea who the Watcher could be. Or maybe you do know and are too scared to tell anyone. Good move. I walked by the news trucks when they took over my neighborhood and mocked me. I watched as you watched from the dark house in an attempt to find me. Telescopes and binoculars are wonderful inventions. 657 Boulevard survived your attempted assault and stood strong with its army of supporters barricading its gates. My soldiers of the Boulevard followed my orders to a T. They carried out their mission and saved the soul of 657 Boulevard with my orders. All hail the Watcher. Maybe a car accident. Maybe a fire. Maybe something as simple as a mild illness that never seems to go away, but makes you feel sick day after day after day after day after day. Maybe the mysterious death of a pet. Loved ones suddenly die. Planes and cars and bicycles crash. Bones break. You are despised by the house, and the watcher won.
While this letter was similar in tone to the previous ones, there was something else about it that interested detectives. It was now evident that the Watcher had some sort of issue specifically with Derek and Maria Broadus, not the new tenants. A few months later, in October 2017, the home was put on the market again. The price had dropped by a few hundred thousand dollars, but apparently nobody wanted to buy a cursed home for over a million dollars. To make things worse, the lawsuit against the Woods was thrown out later that month. The court ruled that a successful claim would set an unreasonable precedent for what sellers have to disclose. Despite the ongoing police investigation, no one was ever identified as a suspect. A resident later claimed that others had also received a similar letter, but nothing ever came of it. Growing increasingly frustrated by the lack of progress with the police investigation, the Broadduses started their own. They spent a reported $100,000 hiring a private investigator, a security firm, a former FBI profiler, and a linguist to analyze the letters. The team was convinced that the writer was an older person who was a voracious reader. This was evident in the use of certain phrases and the fact that even though the letters were menacing, there was no cursing. Finally, in July 2019, the house at 657 Boulevard sold at a loss of about half a million dollars. For Derek and Maria, after five torturous years, maybe it was a small price to pay for being able to move on. Back in 2014, Derek and Maria brought us, started getting sinister letters in the mail just days after they bought their home. The anonymous writer referring to themselves only as, quote, the watcher. Five years later, records now show the family has sold the home. Police investigated the letters, but the watcher's identity is still unknown today. Since it first made headlines, various theories about who the watcher could be have been put forward. There hadn't been any serious competition when it came to purchasing the house back in 2014, so the idea that it was a disgruntled buyer was ruled out. The obvious suspects were the neighbors, especially those next door. On one side of the house lived the Lankford family. They were an elderly couple whose adult children also lived with them. This included Michael, who was unemployed and had been diagnosed with schizophrenia, and Abby, a realtor. Both were in their 60s. The Langfords were known around the neighborhood as eccentric, but generally harmless. There had been reports of Michael sometimes looking in people's windows and taking shortcuts through their backyards. Although neither were ever connected to any of the letters, Abby Langford underwent a DNA test after samples found on one of the envelopes proved to be from a female. Another suspect was a young man who was observed in a car parked outside 657 Boulevard at around 11 p.m. one night. The vehicle was owned by a young woman from a nearby town, but on the night in question, the only occupant was her boyfriend. He happened to live on the same block as the house and was known to be obsessed with so-called dark video games. Police tried on several occasions to interview the man, but with no legal obligation to show up, he never did. It was even suggested that Derek and Maria Broadus were behind the letters. The theory was that it was an elaborate attempt to extort money from the previous owners. 
The Broadus' two previous homes were far less in value, and some questioned how they could afford the expensive new house. The six-figure renovations also caused some to wonder how the family could pay for it all. If the couple was unable to make the mortgage payments, concocting a bone-chilling story might just be able to get them out of a tight spot financially. The female DNA found on the envelope wasn't a match for Maria, adding doubt to the theory. In the years following the last letter received by the Broadus family in 2017, media outlets continued to visit Westfield, hoping to solve the mystery. But many residents, as well as law enforcement, refused to discuss it on record. Not necessarily because they believe it didn't happen, but because no one wants to add to an already disturbing story featuring their otherwise quiet town. For now, the identity of the Watcher remains unsolved and will probably remain one of the creepiest urban legends in the chronicles of New Jersey folklore. is a production of Imperative Entertainment. This episode of True was researched and written by Gemma Harris. The executive producer is Jason Hoke of Imperative Entertainment. The cover art and design were created by Jenna Sullivan. True was created and is produced by me. Have any comments or questions? Email us at podcasts at imperativeentertainment.com. As always, a huge thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with another episode. Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.